Sandman Stories presents The Ghosts of Red Creek by S.T. This is one of the stories from W. Bob Holland's 25 Ghost Stories. I had to clean up the words a little bit as there were some racial slurs thrown in there, as was common at the time. And the story is about a man who thinks he sees a family and then they all disappear. He's kind of confused by it. So he's telling the story to the four hunters he's with about why he doesn't go over in that area after dark. Okay, let's begin. The Ghosts of Red Creek by S.T. To the northward of Mississippi City and its neighbor, Hansboro, there extends a tract of pine forest for miles, with but few habitations scattered through it. Black and red creeks with their numerous branches drain this region into the Pascagoula River to the eastward. With the swamps of Pascagoula as a refuge and the luxuriant and unfrequented bottoms of red and black creeks to browse upon, there are few choicer spots for deer. Knowing this fact, a small party of gentlemen on the day before a crisp cold Christmas started from Hansborough in a large four-wheeled wagon for a 30-mile drive into this wilderness of pine and a week's sport after the deer. The guide was Jim Carruthers, a true woodsman, and the driver and general factotum, a jolly man named Jack Lyons, than whom no one could make a better hoe cake and cook a venison steak. His laugh could be heard a quarter of a mile, and his good nature was as expansive as the range of laughter. The usual experiences of a hunting camp were heartily enjoyed during the first days of this life out of doors, but its cream did not rise until about the fifth night when, from familiar intercourse, Jack Lyons became loquacious and after the day's 20 or 25 mile walk would spin yards in front of the campfire, which brought forgetfulness of fatigue. The night before New Year's was intensely cold. The cold north wind of the afternoon had subsided at sunset, and only a gust now and again touched the musical leaves of the pines, making them vibrant with that mournful score of nature's operas, which even maestros have failed to catch. In front of two new and white tents, two sportsmen reclined at length within reach of the warmth of the fire, while opposite them rested at ease the guide and the trustworthy Jack Lyons. Wearied with the day's chase, four stanch hounds, Ringwood, Rose, Jet, and Boxer, were dreaming of future quarry. The firelight brought out in bright relief the trunks of the tall pines like cathedral columns, and sparkling through the leafy dome overhead, the scintillating stars glistened with a diamond's brightness. A silence which added its influence to the scene rested about the borders of the creek below, and gave more effect to the story of the veteran teamster than perhaps it otherwise would have. If the deer run down the creek, said old Jack, smacking his lips over a carefully prepared brewing of the real Campbellton punch, we was bound to see fun tomorrow, for they'll take us down there by the old gibbet place. In daylight, there's no place like it. But after nightfall, you bet you wouldn't catch me over there. Old Jack was naturally asked why he didn't care about visiting the gibbet's place at night. Asking to be excused until he filled his pipe, the silence was unbroken until his return. He piled on more pine knots and commenced. You know, gentlemen, that when the gunboats was in the sound, we folks had to travel way back here on these roads to outrun the range of their big guns. I was engaged by Mr. Harrison in hauling salt from the factory at Mississippi City on the beach over to Mobile, and I've been making a trip every week or so. 
This backcountry road was never thought of by the Federals, and we had good times along the way. No shells and no shooting. The night, gentlemen, I was speaking of was a Friday. That y'all knows is unlucky. Well, you see, I hitched up Betsy and Rose in the lead, and old Fox and Blossom at the pole, and took in the biggest load of salt that team ever carried. I started out and crossed the Biloxi River at Hansboro, just as the moon was going down. Yes, sir, these roads weren't no better than now, and the rain had made them mighty rough when you come to the holes. I was sitting in the seat whistling the cows in the pea patch and a thinking of Sarah Jameson, what was afterwards my wife, when I felt the off four wheel go crushush in a hole up to the hub. I'd made 17 miles out of Hansborough. I did some cussing, then I went to the fence about 20 yards off and took out a rail to prize up the wheel. Then I saw I was at Mr. Gibbet's place. I says to myself, I'll go up to the house and get old Mr. Gibbet to give me a turn. I had gone by there two weeks before and seen the old man. Now, gentlemen, y'all listen to me, for what I'm telling you is as sure as Jenny will blow the horn on the last day. I walked up to the house and there I saw a bright light inside. It showed out through the windows, and I saw the shadows of Miss Gibbet and Mrs. Gibbet on the window curtain. Sure's honey, sure. The front door was shut, and I stepped up on the gallery and knocked with the butt end of my whip. I didn't knock loud, neither. God bless us all, gentlemen. The lights went out like that, and I heard sort of a laugh. How that set my knees a-shaking. I opened the door, and there was no sign of anybody. I struck a match, and all the furniture was moved out and the old red curtain that I thought I had seen was in rags. The whole family was gone for sure. I don't know exactly what to think about them strange voices, but I started back to the wagon when it lighted, and bless God, there in the front yard was six graves just been made. Something wrong here, I said, and I built a fire by the wagon and dug the wheel out. Just then, old Squire Pastor came along the road from Mobile, and he tells me the news. Old man Gibbet cut the throats of his wife and four children and shoot himself in the head out of jealousy of his wife. They was all buried in the front yard and the house was deserted 10 days ago. Gentlemen, when I heard that, them mules made the quickest time to Mobile ever seen. And y'all can tell me there's no ghosts, but you can't catch me around that log house of Gibbet's except when the sun's an hour high. Jack looked suspiciously over his shoulder into the darkness and crawled into his blanket muttering, it scares me even now to tell about that night. Sleep soon fell upon the camp, but the impression of old Jack's story survived the night, and the next day, he still asserted its truth. The End Stories presents The Ghosts of Red Creek by S.T. This is one of the stories from W. Bob Holland's 25 Ghost Stories. I had to clean up the words a little bit as there were some racial slurs thrown in there, as was common at the time. And the story is about a man who thinks he sees a family and then they all disappear. He's kind of confused by it. So he's telling the story to the four hunters he's with, 
about why he doesn't go over in that area after dark. Okay, let's begin. The Ghosts of Red Creek by S.T. To the northward of Mississippi City and its neighbor, Hansboro, there extends a tract of pine forest for miles, with but few habitations scattered through it. Black and red creeks with their numerous branches drain this region into the Pascagoula River to the eastward, with the swamps of Pascagoula as a refuge, and the luxuriant and unfrequented bottoms of red and black creeks to browse upon, there are few choicer spots for deer. Knowing this fact, a small party of gentlemen, on the day before a crisp cold Christmas, started from Hansboro in a large four-wheeled wagon for a 30-mile drive into this wilderness of pine and a week's sport after the deer. The guide was Jim Carruthers, a true woodsman, and the driver and general factotum, a jolly man named Jack Lyons, than whom no one could make a better hoe cake and cook a venison steak. His laugh could be heard a quarter of a mile, and his good nature was as expansive as the range of laughter. The usual experiences of a hunting camp were heartily enjoyed during the first days of this life out of doors, but its cream did not rise until about the fifth night when, from familiar intercourse, Jack Lyons became loquacious and after the day's 20 or 25 mile walk would spin yards in front of the campfire, which brought forgetfulness of fatigue. The night before New Year's was intensely cold. The cold north wind of the afternoon had subsided at sunset, and only a gust now and again touched the musical leaves of the pines, making them vibrant with that mournful score of nature's operas, which even maestros have failed to catch. In front of two new and white tents, two sportsmen reclined at length within reach of the warmth of the fire, while opposite them rested at ease the guide and the trustworthy Jack Lyons. Wearied with the day's chase, four stanch hounds, Ringwood, Rose, Jet, and Boxer, were dreaming of future quarry. The firelight brought out in bright relief the trunks of the tall pines like cathedral columns, and sparkling through the leafy dome overhead, the scintillating stars glistened with a diamond's brightness. A silence which added its influence to the scene rested about the borders of the creek below, and gave more effect to the story of the veteran teamster than perhaps it otherwise would have. If the deer run down the creek, said old Jack, smacking his lips over a carefully prepared brewing of the real Campbellton punch, we was bound to see fun tomorrow, for they'll take us down there by the old gibbet place. In daylight, there's no place like it. But after nightfall, you bet you wouldn't catch me over there. Old Jack was naturally asked why he didn't care about visiting the gibbet's place at night. Asking to be excused until he filled his pipe, the silence was unbroken until his return. He piled on more pine knots and commenced. You know, gentlemen, that when the gunboats was in the sound, we folks had to travel way back here on these roads to outrun the range of their big guns. I was engaged by Mr. Harrison in hauling salt from the factory at Mississippi City on the beach over to Mobile, and I had been making a trip every week or so. This backcountry road was never thought of by the Federals, and we had good times along the way. No shells and no shooting. The night, gentlemen, I was speaking of was a Friday. That y'all knows is unlucky. Well, you see, I hitched up Betsy and Rose in the lead, an old fox and blossom at the pole, and took in the biggest load of salt that team ever carried. 
I started out and crossed the Biloxi River at Hansborough, just as the moon was going down. Yes, sir, these roads weren't no better than now, and the rain had made them mighty rough when you come to the holes. I was sitting in the seat whistling the cows in the pea patch and a thinking of Sarah Jameson, what was afterwards my wife, when I felt the off four wheel go crochet in a hole up to the hub. I'd made 17 miles out of Hansborough. I did some cussing, then I went to the fence about 20 yards off and took out a rail to prize up the wheel. Then I saw I was at Mr. Gibbet's place. I says to myself, I'll go up to the house and get old Mr. Gibbet to give me a turn. I had gone by there two weeks before and seen the old man. Now, gentlemen, y'all listen to me, for what I'm telling you is as sure as Jenny will blow the horn on the last day. I walked up to the house and there I saw a bright light inside. It showed out through the windows, and I saw the shadows of Miss Gibbet and Mrs. Gibbet on the window curtain. Sure's honey, sure. The front door was shut, and I stepped up on the gallery and knocked with the butt end of my whip. I didn't knock loud, neither. God bless us all, gentlemen. The lights went out like that, and I heard sort of a laugh. How that set my knees a-shaking. I opened the door, and there was no sign of anybody. I struck a match, and all the furniture was moved out and the old red curtain that I thought I had seen was in rags. The whole family was gone for sure. I don't know exactly what to think about them strange voices, but I started back to the wagon when it lighted, and bless God, there in the front yard was six graves just been made. Something wrong here, I said, and I built a fire by the wagon and dug the wheel out. Just then, old Squire Pastor came along the road from Mobile, and he tells me the news. Old man Gibbet cut the throats of his wife and four children and shoot himself in the head out of jealousy of his wife. They was all buried in the front yard and the house was deserted ten days ago. Gentlemen, when I heard that, them mules made the quickest time to Mobile ever seen. And y'all can tell me there's no ghosts, but you can't catch me around that log house of Gibbet's except when the sun's an hour high. Jack looked suspiciously over his shoulder into the darkness and crawled into his blanket muttering. It scares me even now to tell about that night. Sleep soon fell upon the camp, but the impression of old Jack's story survived the night, and the next day, he still asserted its truth. The 